0: Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. I'm Teresa Wiedrich, the Certified Life Coach and Homeschool Mentor, found at www.capturingthecharmlife.com. If you're a homeschool mom looking to shed what's not working so you can show up authentically, confidently, and purposefully in your homeschool and your life, then this is the podcast for you. On today's episode, I had a delightful conversation with Sarah McKenzie. Sarah is presently homeschool mom to three because she's launched three kiddos already, so she's a mom to six. She's the podcast host at Read Aloud Revival Podcast, author of Beloved Children's Books, and publisher at Wax Wings Books. Join us as we discuss the secret to balancing motherhood, homeschooling, and creative pursuits. P.S. There isn't a secret. You can't do it. We also explore the relationship between authenticity, motivation, and creativity, understanding ourselves and what we need, and of course, the joy of reading to our kids. Join me in welcoming Sarah McKenzie. Well, thank you for being here. I'm so glad you're here in Studio C. You're welcome to join me for coffee anytime in my real life. <laughs> We'd love that. My kids would be like, you're officially next level mom if you meet Studio Studio C. (laughs) I'm sure you have your own Studio C, except you've turned what is probably a closet into a very lovely recording space. (laughs)
1: this is like, it is an office now. I used to record in a closet, um, but I like it because I can have my like light set up. And then when I need to record, I can just flip them on. I don't have to like set everything up again. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. For me, I'm trying to avoid showing you all the Christmas gifts (laughs) on the bottom of my floor. It's not exactly.
1: (laughs) I mean, our our cameras
0: are always angled just so, right? Like everything out of view is a mess. Let's be clear. (laughs) It really is. It really is. The one thing I've learned after launching three kids and I've got one kiddo at home is that the cooking, the cleaning, the floor sweeping remains. They're with you. Yes. And they're gone. So they're not, you can't delegate it to every, like you lose your staff. That's a whole different (laughs) torture experience. It really is. I'm so glad there's some kids coming back for Christmas. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, we have, um, a 10 and, or we have twin, I keep thinking Clarissa, said, an 11 year old and twin 10s still at home. And when the three oldest left, I mean, they didn't all leave at once, you know, they kind of trickled off to college, but it was very clear like, oh, these younger kids have never been expected to pull their weight around here. You know, cause when you have older kids, it's just really easy to be like, you clean the oh. kitchen and you, anyway, and you kind of forget that you have to like train them to do all these things. Yeah, Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah we're really? in training
0: mode again. And I'm like.
1: Okay, this is how we sweep a
0: floor. (laughs) I remember when our oldest had said, she moved away and she's like, you know, Zach is like, I don't know, eight or something. He doesn't know how to do the dishes. I was doing it when I was two. She's like, I was cooking dinner when I was eight, right? Yeah legitimately yeah yeah same (laughs) Christmas shop the entire grocery Christmas shop at about 13 or 14
1: (laughs) I believe it that's the first thing I did when my oldest daughter got her license she came home she showed me her license and I handed her the keys and a grocery list grocery list I was like why don't you take put those skills to work which I told her you
0: can go get yourself a latte on the way and then she was like this is the best thing ever (laughs) exactly and when they come (laughs) home from school and they're like I just want to honor the fact that you keep this pantry full and you can afford to do it.
1: <laughs> I remember the first time my oldest daughter goes, Do you have any idea how expensive butter is?
0: And I was like, <laughs> I do so know. Funny. We had a group. <laughs> I mean, you should ask. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We had a group text on that exact point this year as a family. It's like, how much is butter in Montreal? How much is it here in Toronto or whatever? And anyways, it's too expensive is the answer. It's too expensive, especially when you want to put a whole stick into your dinner, you know,
1: (laughs) which could be a whole nother problem. But you know,
0: (laughs) it's a pleasure to have you here. We're clearly going to have fun here. Uh, Would you introduce yourself to those that may not have been introduced to you yet?
1: Yeah. So um, I'm Sarah McKenzie. My husband, Andrew, and I live in the Northwest. We're in Spokane, Washington. We have six kids. Three of them are all launched into college. We homeschooled them all the way through. We have three more that are still at home, 10, 10, and 11. Um, And I host the Read Aloud Revival podcast and online community that really helps parents fall in love with books with their kids, make make connections with their kids through reading aloud, even well beyond the years when their kids can read aloud themselves. And um, this year or last year, I should say, we launched a publishing company to start making those read alouds that we really love, those really high quality, beautiful as art, you know, um,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: books to share with kids. And so that's been a new and exciting challenge and a whole new, learning
0: curve uh for me. <laughs> it really is beautiful. I'm so looking forward to unpacking your journey or some elements of your journey. But you mm-hmm. had this, you still have this beautiful read aloud revival podcast, which is just fun to listen to. And then you've got this entire community built around that. And you do so many amazing things mm-hmm. for with homeschool moms. And you, you know, you started this podcast. I think you said kind of on a lark. You weren't, sh- or maybe it was your husband wasn't sure you could continue it. Because what-, like, what are you going to? I remember him saying, "What are you going to talk about? Like, like read aloud, do
1: it. Like, what are you going to say?" And I was like, "I don't really know. We'll figure it out." But when I kind of brainstormed ideas, and legitimately, when I launched the podcast, I thought it would just be a little short series. Um, I was, I'm always looking for some other project after I have a baby. Apparently, because I think I need something besides breastfeeding and diapers, you know, like yeah, something else. Yeah. And so um, I thought it would be really fun to t- launch a podcast and just do a few episodes. And of all the things I could think of to talk about, that would be the most fun. I thought reading aloud has had the most transformative impact on our homeschool. So I think I'll go with that. And yeah. so I just, <laughs> before I'd even, oh my goodness, Teresa, before I had even looked up how to start a podcast, um, this is a little indicative of my personality. I shot an email off to Institute for Excellence in Writing to Andrew Pudua saying, like, hey, would Andrew Pudua want to talk to me on my podcast about reading aloud? Because his <laughs> talks on reading aloud had really impacted why we were reading aloud so much. And they wrote back and said, Yes. Yes. And I thought, I gotta figure
0: out how to start a podcast. <laughs> Guess what, Sarah? I did yeah. the same thing. But oh, it, was- seriously? it was Julie Bogart. <laughs> Oh my
1: gosh. Okay.
0: Yeah. Tell me all about it. Well, I don't know. I'm just like, I wrote this book. I want to communicate this book to the world. And wouldn't it be cool if I could like share it with Julie and, and anyways, and have this conversation. And it was like, blow my mind that they actually said, yes, I could hardly see. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And then you're like, oh, I guess I better, but you know what it does is it, it isn't just like, oh, it'd be nice to start a podcast. All of a sudden you're like, okay, I guess I'm figuring this out. And oh. most things are figure outable. So you just Google things Even and ask podcasting. questions. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, theoretically calculus too, but I haven't figured
1: yet.
0: <laughs> but podcasting, I, I had no idea what I was signing up for in that. Yeah. Partly backend, you know, technology element, but also this yeah. part. I'm like, this is amazing. Meeting yeah. people from all over the world and really getting to learn from you and also Share in just like the wider homeschool community. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. So the the point of this episode is that you should start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Great company. <laughs> <laughs> all I know- the point is
1: dive in before you know how to do it and you'll figure it out along the way, which is actually how most of us parent anyway, right? None of us are really, we oh, don't have absolutely. all the answers. You just figure things out as you need to. That's kind of yeah. how it works. That's life.
0: That—that <laughs> yeah. That is very much the way it is. So it's such a delight to have you here. Um Really as a homeschool mom, eventually I do know this, you will have an Etsy shop. <laughs> you're going to have an Etsy <laughs> shop or you're going to start some entrepreneurial adventure, I'm sure. I've
1: heard you say that. I think on Instagram, I heard you say this in the clip where you said, "You know, homeschooling moms tend to be entrepreneurial," and you're right. It's like that independent spirit that makes you go, "You know, I think we could do this education thing." It's like the same thing that goes, "Hey, wait, I think we could build this thing that I want in the world, but I can't find anywhere." You know,
0: exactly. Yeah, it is, and I I know we have different journeys to that, but for me, I saw that oh, this this school thing isn't really working in the way that I thought it would. For my kids. Yeah. And um, and it didn't work for me for various reasons. And it didn't work for my husband, despite being valedictorian. So then I'm like, you know what, this is not really what I want for my kids. I want more freedom. And there's so many things that I wanted. But then I start to do it with my kids. And I do it in a very classical, very private school way. So I really just brought my private school in my home. And then I insisted we do it in a certain way and then realized that's not working. And, uh, and by year three or four, I'm like, well, we'll just radically unschool. So we shifted for six months to that. And then we came back to eclectic, which everyone does after a while. And then it was kind of, you know, we figured out our way. But I'd say that what I really noticed is, is the child in front of you that you learn is the person that you need to engage and you need to notice are they being educated is it them that i'm raising up to become who they're meant to be Mm. and when you see them starting to live their life on purpose you're like me too i think i should do a few things too
1: that's right oh that's such That's, that's so beautifully said yes absolutely
0: that is my experience and that was my journey to that tapping into creativity and believing that i could do things that were outside the box Isn't this such a delightful conversation? I love chatting with Sarah McKenzie. She is just so much fun. Enneagram type seven, but you'll hear about that in a minute. At the time of this podcast release, I'm also going to release a special giveaway, partly because Sarah has offered me a beautiful copy. In fact, two copies, so you'll see two giveaways this year, but a beautiful copy of her book, While Everyone is Sleeping, written by her and illustrations by Gabrielle Grimmerd. And it is gorgeous. Listen to this. Just before morning light, Little Shrew is awakened by the moon. A mysterious fragrance leads her to a garden of moonflowers where moths flutter, crickets hum, and frogs and peepers keep the beat. Join Little Shrew's merry romp In the Moonlit Garden, in this bedtime story for adventurous souls. It is a beautiful offering from a homeschool mom and an entrepreneurial adventure she is having in her life. It is such a delight listening to her podcast, Read Aloud Revival, then watching her begin her writing and publishing journey into waxwing books and this second offering while everyone is sleeping. On the day of this podcast episode release, I am going to also offer a giveaway in honor of slump month, January blues, winter blues, whatever you want to call it. Let's spice things up, make things a little bit more fun. You can find details about this giveaway on my website, capturingthecharmlife.com or on the Instagram page, Selfcare. In the giveaway, I'll offer a gratitude journal that I've created for homeschool moms. It'll either be the gratitude journal or the wellness journal for homeschool moms. I include a copy of my book, Homeschool Mamas Care: Nurturing the Nurturer. And uh, of course, a bar of the best chocolate in the world, or at least the best chocolate I've ever tasted in the world. And that would be Lint Sea Salt Dark Chocolate. So if you'd like to enter to win... Head over to my website, capturingthecharmlife.com. In this episode, Sarah and I have a discussion about how homeschool moms typically move toward entrepreneurial directions, and uh, that has been true for me as well, as you know. Though I speak about other homeschool moms beginning their Etsy shops, I started one too. <laughs> Of course, so it's not that old, but I have put all of my journals and resources onto the Etsy shop, and in true homeschool mom entrepreneurial spirit, just this past weekend I offered my kids an opportunity to create, design a few products that you might be interested in. So I'm super curious to see what they'll put up into the Etsy store. I guess you can say once a homeschool mom, always a homeschool mom. Yep, that would be me. So you're welcome to go check out my Etsy shop, Homeschool Self-Care, to discover what my kids create and design for a homeschool mom to help you nurture the nurturer. Okay, so let's head back to the episode so I can share a little bit more of Delightful Sarah with you. I want to hear about your story. You went into podcasting on a lark and you just went, ha, let's talk about... You know, read alouds. Let's, let's invite Andrew, which you have actually had many conversations with now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and so your journey from there to writing, I mean, I'm guessing writing was preceding all of this. And then you moved into publishing.
1: Yeah. So actually, um, about the same time that I launched the podcast, a little before that, I wrote a book and self published it called Teaching from Rest. And yeah. it was really, it started as a series on my blog. Um, yeah. back then it was, t- 2014 a lot of people were doing like 30 days to fill in the blank you know like 30 days to whatever and then you post on your blog every day and I thought um so here's what happened I'm pregnant with the twins I have um let's see how old were they they would have been something like uh 12 10 and 8 and then a a one-year-old because Claire and the twins are very close in age um pregnant with the twins and I'm cleaning out my eight-year-old's closet and I'm listening to a a conference talk um it was all actually about how to teach literature, but at the very end, I was kind of half listening, you know, but like at the very end, the interviewer said, what would you say to, um, if you could only say one thing to a homeschooling mom, what would you say? And the man who was being interviewed said, teach from his state of rest. Mm. And I laughed out loud. I was like, this dude has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I'm cleaning out his closet. I'm pregnant. I'm crying, you know,
0: Like <laughs> overwhelming. Um,
1: but it's something it was like wait what would that look like so i started a blog series called 30 days of teaching from rest and then it became it, i turned it into a an ebook that i sold on my website and it actually did really well but then w- the real key turn there was when a small publishing company came to me and said we'd be interested in publishing that um do you want to make it like it needs to be a little more robust than just a collection of blog posts you know mm-hmm. and so We, so then that book, um, ended up being published. And then I launched the podcast. Um, I do have a little bit of a thing. (laughs) This is very clear, right? I go a little manic maybe after the kid, I have a baby. Um, it's, I'm sure it's tied to like postpartum depression, all that stuff. Um, because that was a thing as well, where like I do a lot. Like I I I go into hyper like like productivity mode. And so I did. I actually really did write that book and then launch a podcast. And my twins were like six months
0: old. That seems a little <laughs> out wow to me. now I uh, don't anybody else that would do that, but no more babies for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? They were the last ones. Can you yeah. Uh, um, they're 10 now. Um, so then um, where was I going with that? So the oh, so then the the company that published it said, "Would you like to come speak? I Maybe mean, we think you'd be like good to come speak at the conferences we're speaking at." I laughed on the phone. I'm like, I have a hundred children, and like half of them aren't walking, you know. <laughs> and so, but my husband, bless him, was like, "Why not? You know, what? I think you'd be really good at that. You should do that. I could, I can, I can hold things down here." And it wasn't always that easy, like. I mean, after that, I think sometimes he regretted being like, yeah, you should do that, <laughs> like leaving again. But it was sort of like that. Um, I needed somebody else's vote of confidence, maybe like, hey, you know what? You should actually probably think about that. That's not as ludicrous as you might think it is. So then um, I started speaking a bit at homeschooling conferences. And then um, the podcast, Read a Lot Revival podcast ended up being. So now at this time, I have a blog. Where I was mostly doing like some homeschool stuff. I was posting about all kinds of things gluten free, because yeah. we're all gluten free. So that kind of stuff. And like just normal bloggy kind of stuff. And then I had just done this book, right? And then was starting to speak a little bit and this podcast. But the podcast is the thing that was getting the most traction. And it was also the thing I was having the most fun with mm-hmm. because it was talking about books, which yeah. is my favorite. Yeah. It's, I'm an extrovert and I'm home all day with my children. So it was like, I get to do this like I'm doing with you right now. Yeah. And I loved it. And so, um, at about that time, I also kind of reached something of a breaking point where it was like I realized, you know, that phrase like their eyes were too big for their, yeah, stomach. Is that what they yeah. we say? Yeah, but like if you put too much food on your plate, so that's how I am with life.
0: Uh, <laughs> like my eyes are
1: too big for my energy or something. Uh-huh. And I read the book Essentialism by Greg McEwen. Yes, it's and on I- my homeschool mama
0: reading list. <laughs> it's so good, isn't it? So good. So good.
1: Yeah. There's so many applications for homeschooling too. And I really felt like, oh, I'm doing, I'm doing too many things. So I ended up, um, deciding to shut down my blog. I've actually, oh, I forgot. I had started a whole nother website with a couple of friends too at the time called School A sisters, which is still going, but I stepped away from it. Um, so I'd started that, pulled some friends in to do it with me. Then I just gave it to them, I was like, you know what? I actually have to, I have to do less. So, and I decided I'm just going to do the podcast, not because it really made the most sense is definitely not what like, most people who had, if they, if they had heard of me at all at that time, they, it was from teaching from rest. It was not for the podcast, but I was like, but this is what, where I'm finding the most joy. So I think I'm going to stick with it. And then, um, I kind of put all my eggs in that basket. And then I ended up writing uh, several years later, I ended up writing a book about reading aloud called the read aloud family that yeah. got um, published by Zonderman. And now, I mean, that's what I do. i talk about read aloud. <laughs> reading aloud is the thing that I, um, talk
0: about. Wow. Everywhere. Yeah. So beautiful. So Enneagram three. I am an Enneagram 7. Oh, well, you're, of course you are. You're so much fun. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> but
1: it is – I have a lot of – I mean, I remember the first time I did the Enneagram, I was like – I mean, I have a lot of – there's a lot of 3. I think it's – Um. I think I have – I mean, I think what some of the things that 3s and 7s have in common are, like, that energy and, like, I just I, – I do – I don't know if you do strengths finder have you done anything oh, with strengths that yeah it's been okay, a okay so one of my top strengths you know my top strengths are like woo and positivity so that was all match the 7 but also focus is really high up there and i think so a lot of times um i've been asked before like are you an enneagram 3 but i think um i think it might have more to do with like motivation like yeah. i'm not that motivated to do things when they're not fun
0: <laughs> okay well cha-ching, you're a 7 i have a daughter who's a 7 okay yeah what are yeah. you are you a 3 Yes. Yeah. No, I'm a two wing three. Yeah. Oh, you're a two wing three. Okay. Yes. And I think I'm a seven wing
1: um, eight. And I think that wing eight is what also looks like. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Sometimes
1: I'll I'll, it'll get a little ahead of me. And I think that's like when I read essentialism, I like to think of it as like, your eight is showing, like my eight is showing, like like a little petticoat,
0: you know? <laughs> like, we can tell that Sarah's eight's gotten a little bit away from her. <laughs> I, what have you loved about that book? Like, what did you really hear from Essentialism?
1: The image that sticks out to me still, all these years later, I've read it probably five times, which is kind of ironic for a book called Essentialism, like do less, and I'm like reading it again and again and again. Yeah. Uh, I have so many notes in the margins. It's yeah. that image um, of the circle with ten like arrows that are all maybe an inch out, you know what I'm talking about around it, saying like this is you putting energy into ten things, and yeah. then there was another circle next to it, and it had one arrow that was the length of all ten of these arrows put together, yeah, and I was like, I mean, even that image like I can feel in my body like, oh this this one over here that's like all this energy in so many ways is oftentimes I feel like what homeschooling and motherhood requires because you are in charge of doing so many different things. Yeah. But I think I was trying to be awesome at all of them. Yeah. (laughs) And I was just, I I think part of what essentialism has helped me do is say like, okay, I'm actually not awesome. Um, like great homemade meals, but I'm pretty awesome at read-alouds and being just okay with that. Like knowing there's always a trade-off.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we had that conversation in our first episode about, mm-hmm. I asked you about balance uh, oh. because everybody is always like, well, how do you balance something? I'm like, I, why are we talking about balance as a mother? It does not apply. Yeah. It does not and it's apply. not a static thing. It's, it it's means,
1: static. yeah, Misty Winkler will talk about balance. I don't know. I don't remember if we talked about this when I was on last uh, as it like when you're balancing on a bike, it's not that you balance and you're there. It's a, the actual act of balancing is constantly making shifts. Yeah. And so if we're in balance as mothers, I mean, again, I'm with you. I don't really like the word. It just, it it's, it's got too much wrapped in it. That doesn't make sense. Um, but if we are going to think about the word balance, then we should be thinking of it as the constant adjustments that we have to be making, not as a state of peace or calm. That's not what it is.
0: That is really good. You're becoming my reference point every time I speak to balance, by the way, because what you said was something that I have said many times after it, but it's something I know to be true in my practice and mindfulness is being present. The key is to be present wherever you are. That's all. That's all folks, which means you're not God. You can't be everywhere all at once. (laughs) Not even if you have two kids, not even if you have a business and you're homeschooling, like it doesn't work. Yep yeah
1: um i I also wonder do you so I'm wondering especially with like your your are you a futuristic person like is future like are you always living in the future Anyone know, when
0: we're talking about being um, present I can be very like, present I'm more future yeah I am more future okay.
1: yeah that's my um hiccup um and actually my daughter my oldest daughter said to me recently I think she said it on my podcast actually i was interviewing her something about be where your feet are and there's like a million ah, different ways to say be present. But I was like, something about that was like,
0: oh, it'll like, it like puts me instantly in this actual physical concrete space. Yeah. Yeah. That that actually, it's interesting to me. Like there are certain things that I've learned over the course of the last... 20 years certain things that we would call self-compassion or mindfulness techniques or something to learn how to be present and I'm in coaching with people sometimes I can see that they're just busy in their heads and Mm -hmm. they're trying to rationalize things they're explaining things they're sharing stories they're whatever and then all I have to do is say okay will you just pause for a moment with me put your hand on your heart and just notice how's your heart beating how are you feeling right now Mm -hmm. and then just breathe slowly and notice what's going on in your body. And by the mere act of doing that, we are putting ourselves into the present and feeling yeah. off of it. And so it's it's not my instinct uh to do that. That's definitely something that I had to learn along the way and get comfortable with because it wasn't a practice I was comfortable with. Yeah. Um, but also it's helped me to get out of my head so that I am actually yeah. here.
1: Um for years I had on a little whiteboard in my bedroom I had written remember you have a body and my um yes. Exactly. My daughter was probably eight at the time. This is my now 11 year old. She was like, what does that mean? Like, what do you, what do you, do you forget you have a body? Cause of course a kid doesn't forget they have a body, you know, but like not unless they're angry or like really emotional. And then they absolutely forget they have a body. Right. Well, I felt like I was in a constant state of forgetting, like, I'm so in my head. It's like, I forget like, oh yeah, you have this body that number one, you have to take care of. So like when you're Ah. feeling like stressed, you need to go for a walk. Like Ah. you have a body, (laughs) Uh Take care of it. And also your body is in a place which is right here. And right now it's so, it's a tricky thing for a lot of us. I think that being present is, is difficult, but it's, it's It's one of my things for the next year. Mm. I really want to get better at being where my feet are.
0: Yeah. I really like that phrase. That's a beautiful phrase and it's a powerful technique. Um, to obviously deal with your big emotions, because we also as moms are having these huge emotions in response yeah. to our kids. Yeah. And also, there's just so much energy. And even I, I hear that you're extroverted, I can feel that you're extroverted. And <laughs> And like you're a seven. So are you allowed to be a seven and an introvert? Is that a thing? I don't know if that's possible. I don't, I don't think it's possible. possible. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean,
1: I'm sure there's somebody out there. Tell me, like send me an email. Tell me about yeah, it. Me, yeah, I
0: want to hear too, because I have yet to meet that person. But I, I as an introvert, I, and I also meet a lot of people that define themselves as highly sensitive people, yeah. um, yeah. that they are also choosing to homeschool. And that right there is a lot. And so we really do need to, even though it is very difficult to do, we need to come away and either practice these little mindful moments or literally leave the house, go somewhere to come away. I don't, did you have that experience at all as a seven, as an introvert?
1: Yes, because I think... um socializing with my kids didn't do it for me. So like I also felt spent because, mm-hmm. and then like my husband would come home and he still makes jokes about this, about how for years and years I would be like, okay, so what happened at the office? And he'd be telling me about some conversation and I'm like, no, no, verbatim. Like
0: I wanted to be there exactly. so badly. Like, I said that too. I'm like, listen, I haven't been with you. And he's like, I've been in a merge all day and I'm dealing with some really high intensity mental health cases. And I would like to leave it there, but I'm like, but I'm bored. So yeah. give me but I need the mental stimulation of a conversation no. with you, an adult. Yeah.
1: Um, And he would say, like, a lot of times he would leave for work and I would be standing at the door like, don't leave me here. So I, I mean, but I can totally see, like, so many of my introvert friends who say being home with your kids all day is so taxing on yourself when you are an introvert. And I also think it's actually taxing on yourself as an extrovert, too, especially if because I don't know if socializing with your five and three and
0: one-year-old really fills your extrovert bucket. <laughs> it oh, didn't fill mine. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. Yes. As much yes. as we love them, so many amazing memories. The conversation is not quite the same. <laughs> no.
1: And I also wonder if that plays into, you know, how, like, it, it occurs to me that parenting and, you know, all the different stages of parenting, some seem easier or harder for different people. You know, I had... um a much harder time with babies than I did with teens. Like that yeah. I was so worried about teens because everyone talks about teens and I was like, you know, look, like, oh, my teens were just my oldest three. I mean, yes, it comes with its own challenges. There are very other challenges. They all felt more manageable to me than like the toddler- throwing themselves on the floor. And I'm like, ah, what do I do with you? Well, like, I know I have it out maybe say the opposite, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. who would say like, oh, well, those are little problems. They would say little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. I never understood. Like, I still don't. I'm like, I don't know.
0: Uh I don't know. <laughs> the yeah. little problems are really loud. I think it <laughs> depends on the child. That's That's my, very much the personality. Someone told me last weekend that they remember me speaking to her when, or she remembers me speaking to her when she had her third, that was a baby. And she said, you had shared whatever your labor story is and your first early days with your child. Yeah. That's your child. And I'm like, yep, (laughs) that's my experience.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about babies. Maybe it's just a sign that we just need to get right back in there. You need to create something bigger. <laughs> how can you create something bigger than what you've created? It's pretty impressive. You're more than an Etsy shop. So tell me all about what you've been doing because this book, While Everyone's Sleeping is, I mean, it really is beautiful as a read aloud, something that you should have on your bookshelf, mm-hmm. both in the illustrations by Gabrielle Grimard,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Grimard. Yeah. Yep. Grimard mm-hmm. who is in Quebec where one of my girls is, my Enneagram 7. Um, oh, yeah. Yep. And, um, and also the writing is really beautiful and that's yours. So, um,
1: I have one, I have tried to write picture books back when my oldest, who's now 22 was a baby. So like, and I still have them and they're terrible. They're so bad, but I really like was in, like, I wanted to do this. Um, and I, I think it's because I would sit there and I would read like, mama, do you love me? Do you know that board? It was like a board book I had. And, um, it's about in Inuit mother and child and it's like mama oh, do yeah. you love me and it kind of was like I love you more than the mucklucks like and I love oh. you more than the fit the salmon and the sea that kind of thing yeah and I'm getting I'm messing it up it's much more beautifully written than that but I would love reading her that and then I would read another one and be like <sighs> so I got really curious about like what is the difference and then I tried to write them um and so I've wanted to write them for a long time um I think in some ways <laughs> starting in running the read aloud revival has almost made it a little bit tr- it's made it it's it's kind of a double-edged thing and in some ways it's made it easier because I get to have all these great conversations with my favorite authors and so that's awesome and wow. then I'm also immersing myself in the best book, children's books and so then whatever you write after that is never <laughs> never gonna match the quality of what you know is good you know like I feel like we're so in tuned in at read a revival to constantly looking for the best books. So then it's like the imposter syndrome is really strong. Mm -hmm. Um, But I tell you, you don't need to be for real.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's really
1: Um, what I, one thing I love about picture book writing that is not true with at least the two adult books that I've written, the nonfiction books is that, you know, it's only 300 words or something. And so, but every sentence and every word in a picture book matters. So what happens is, you get to take this. I mean that while everyone is sleeping probably went through something like 25 or 35 drafts. I don't have them all, but like multiple times, multiple critique partners. It was about a baby and a little sister and a sister at the beginning. It wasn't even about a shrew, which is now it's about a shrew in a moonlit garden. Like it went through so many iterations. And one of the things I've discovered over time is that I really like taking something And then like making it better, making it better, and making it better. Now at Read Aloud Revival, we've sort of done that in RAR Premium because we just, I launched RAR Premium in 2015, I think. So it's that membership site has been running for eight years. And I haven't launched anything else until this publishing company. I haven't launched anything else. But we just take it and we just like fine tune it, fine tune it, it, make it better, make it better. And I realized, oh, that's what I like to do rather than like coming up with something brand new. In Mm -hmm. picture book writing, I think because the story is so short, You get to take it and then just like it's like a rock tumbler almost, you know, like and so that's been really fun to discover. But one of the pieces about publishing them ourselves, I'll I'll rewind a little bit and say I actually got an agent who um, who's taught me to agent. Actually, he introduced me to his agent back when he was alive. Um, And that agent was taking my manuscripts while everyone is sleeping a little more beautiful and a few others that we have coming out in the next couple of years. Uh, to these New York publishers and, um, and I was trying to break in that way and it didn't, we would get really far. Like we would get to the sales meeting with the publisher or whatever, and then it would just drop. Um, that was fine. But I, I mean, at the time I was really frustrated and now one of the questions that I heard on a podcast back then, and I don't remember which podcast or who said it, but they said, like when you encounter obstacles, or roadblocks in your goal. And my goal at the time was to get published as a picture book author. You've got to ask yourself, what does this make possible? Mm. And that sounds really trite. But now when I think back on like, actually all those, if I hadn't been rejected for all of those, I never would have been like, okay, you know what? I think we're going to try and do this ourselves. And now at Waxwing, we are publishing my picture books, but we're actually publishing other works. So we have three books a year coming out all the way through 2027. Wow. Lots of them, different illustrators for all of them, different authors for several of them. Many of the books, I don't have anything to do with the author illustration. We're just publishing them. It's um, possible only because of the thing that I thought was keeping me back, you know? That is
0: amazing. That really is amazing. Beautiful mm-hmm. story. And that that just so speaks to the, you assume that something is a roadblock and actually it's a way of directing you into the better way.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I find it's a really helpful question. It's frustrating. Like you'll ask it to yourself, like, okay, this bad thing just happened. What does it make possible? And then you'll be like, shut up, self. Like, come on, give me a break. So you do kind of feel like that. But if you just sit with it for a minute and you're like, well, maybe just understand something is going to be possible here. What could it make possible? It's been a really powerful tool
0: for me. Yeah, that really is beautiful. I mean, a publishing company, (laughs) like that's. That's huge. And also your genre that you chose, that is what I understand, unless you're doing a foreign language, the most difficult book to read or to write is a children's book because you have to be, I mean, obviously you've chosen very specific words, but you, to create an entire plot with very few words, that's yeah. challenging. Yeah.
1: It is. It's a fun challenge. I um I was talking with Jeannie Birdsall, who's the author of The Penderwicks, and yes. uh, oh, beautiful. She, we were talking about how a lot of times in the publishing world, we kind of expect, they expect like a picture book author to also write middle grade novels, um, children's novels, and the other way around. And a lot of them do, but she said, and she did, Jeannie has picture books and novels. She's a much better novel writer than a picture book writer. I was telling her I've written a novel and it's terrible. <laughs> and I was like, I just, I'm not really sure what to think about that. Like I would like to be a novelist, but it's just not, I'm working at, I've taken classes, I've written whole novels. It's just, and she said, it just feels like one of them always comes easier. Like for her, a novel yeah. is easier than a picture yeah. book. Yeah. And yeah. you know, you can work on it, but, or you could just be like, oh, I'm just going to do this fun one that I'm really enjoying. But isn't it funny how like when something is a little easier or a little more enjoyable for you, it's like, does it really count? Even if it's like, not the more easier, enjoyable person for somebody else, you know, based yeah. on their personality and temperaments. You, you and You actually
0: any take it for granted. Like for me, I've missed this entire element of how to manage your time, this discussion with other moms, or about how to just decide what's the most important or most essential things yeah. in your life. And I'm like, well, this kind of comes naturally to me. So I don't think to teach it anymore because it's so natural. Yeah. And yet, one of the most common conversation points I'm asked about. Um, but when it comes to writing, I have always been a journaler and I have written my memoir twice. And then I tried to get into fiction because I thought that the, that was the right way to go. So I was working with Gail Anderson Dargatza, a, and, um, um, Giller award, um, honor, uh, no, Giller award winner in okay. Canada. And she, you know, The Cure for Death by Lightning and various The Secret of Bees, The Secret Life of Bees, really big author. And I could just not tap in to an authentic expression of fiction writing because I always wanted to turn it into something nonfiction. So I really do identify with that. Like there's a certain genre that's yours. Yes. And then there's other stuff that's not so much. I'm sure it can be developed, but
1: um some I will tell you some nonfiction like collections of essays. um what's someone I just bomb shelter? Have you read that? No, hang on, I'm gonna look up her name really quick because I mean, when I read this book, I was like, oh see, like this makes me want to write. um hold on bomb shelter. you can't just look up bomb shelter on, on Google. It'll give you a different <laughs> answer. Okay, Mary Laura Philpot. and oh, I, I bet you would really enjoy this one because she talks a lot about her kids growing up and going off to college. Uh Um, in it, but it's a collection of essays. And I just, I mean, when I read it this last year, I was like, this is the kind of book where I'm like, oh, I want, this makes me want to write. And I want to be able to write like this. So like that kind of thing where you finish in chapter, which is a complete essay basically. And like, I'd go back and be like, okay, now how did she do that
0: <laughs> that, was, that was amazing so, so many authors that I'm like that and then but for me I've noticed there's a direct tie between me fully expressing myself genuinely on paper and it has to be whatever that is even though I've, of course i to learned certain communication skills over the course of time and Grammarly will teach me much as well um, but <laughs> in the meantime whatever I'm putting on paper has to be a reflection of what's truly here in my heart and what is truly me and I've learned that the more that I develop that, then I can write, you know, I can really own who I am. And I also can help other people to really own who they are. Yeah. Not coincidentally, that's what I often say is I help homeschool moms show up on purpose, authentically, confidently and purposefully. Mm-hmm. And it's a direct tie to who I am. So I I feel until I don't know, I, I don't think there's an until I just have to write who I am on paper and just own that thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the impact that it has on other people is so outsized compared to your own effort when you're working in that space of like just being who you are and showing up in your strong areas and like letting yourself be exactly like you said, like the thing, it's that, that curse of knowledge, I think is what they call it. Right. When you Know something so well, like you were talking about time management, you know that like you don't even think you have anything to share, but then somebody else is like, "Wait, tell me everything you know." I feel that way about so many things with things that are not my strength areas, and yet at the same time, I I discount it um, in my own knowledge, and then when someone else tells me the impact that something I've written or whatever has on their life, you're like, okay, that was not
0: just me. You know, there's like an outsized. Absolutely. Yeah. That happens there. Yeah. All the time, all the time. But what I've noticed is me being fully who I am and available to the world to be fully who I am means that I'm inviting other people to do that. And yeah. they're not—they're not, they're not going to be me. They're not going to reflect back who I am. But they're going to be fully them. And that I'm like, bring it. I will—I will, I will stand cool. as a lightning rod for that one. That's like, cool. Like we yeah. just have to break out in the song. This is me right now. <laughs> yeah. I love this song by The Greatest Showman. I've even sung it on this podcast, which I shouldn't have done, but I did. And I'm like, that song is just like whoever you are, that's who you should be, and you got to allow it to express itself. So yeah. this is you this, is this you? I'm sure there's many iterations of who there's you many. I mean, here's the fun thing about picture books too. Um, I had, I
1: realized <laughs> um, so many of my picture books are actually kind of solemn and serious. Uh, they have like a serious undertone. And uh-huh. um, at one point, my agent, when I was submitting stuff to him, he's like, do you write anything about other, other than death? I mean, like it, that's how many picture books I was. I'm like, Oh, clearly I'm working through some stuff over here. And I was, I was working through some uh-huh. grief things, but I was like, Oh, how interesting. Because if you meet me in person, you would never de- somber, solemn, <laughs> obsessed with death are not things <laughs> that anyone would use to describe me. Oh. So one of the fun things is, um, how because, so we have those two picture books next year. We have two more coming out that I've written. We have three more coming out, but only two of those I've written. Um, they're both picture books. One is a picture book biography about Barbara Cooney, who is the author, <laughs> illustrator of like the ox, or she's the illustrator of the Oxcart man, the author, illustrator of Miss Rumphius and, um, Chanticleer and the Fox and so many books. So it's a picture book biography about her.
0: Beautiful. And then
1: that was like a really fun, completely different experience. Cause it was so heavily researched. Yeah. And then the other book that's coming out that I wrote next year, it's not coming out till fall is easily the most fun I've ever had writing. And it's a funny story about a duck and a bunny that are a hare that are friends. And it is like, it's that to me feels like, okay, that, that feels more like, me, But they actually all are me, and it kind of reminds me that, like, we're all so multifaceted, so we have a little more beautiful that is one kind of book, while everyone is sleeping is a different kind of book, and because of and then this deer duck, and they're all very, they're all, they all feel very much like me, but they're all, like, the different faces, maybe.
0: Yeah, of me. yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Just like I am a certain person when I'm with my Enneagram seven child, which of course has a name also <laughs> besides the Enneagram number and also my eight and my one and my se- uh, nine. Sorry. <laughs> yes. I know what my kids are. I, think I know. I- yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. So I have, um, I have a nine and eight, um, and he, he and I have so much fun together. Like Oh, yeah, cause I've got an eight wing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it, my nine will be like, can you guys stop arguing? And we're like, oh, we're not arguing. We're having a great time in here.
0: You know, I think <laughs> I know we're my- debating. That was fun off the top of my head. I remember the Enneagram types faster than their ages. <laughs> That is so funny. Oh my gosh. Yes. And well, the enneagram doesn't really change, but their ages change constantly. Exactly.
1: (laughs) I haven't pegged my younger three yet. They're a little young. So I've got some ideas about what they are. What did I say? I said a nine, an eight, and a five. Um, Yeah, that's really interesting. So that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, What's your husband?
0: Um, He's a one. So it's okay. actually interesting to me to watch my husband and my son are theoretically the Enneagram, the same Enneagram type. And I'm like, is that or is that like a reflection? But anyways, my my 15 year old son is like, I'm a one wing two. And then he refers to things like, well, but this is the right way to do it. And we and I'm like, OK, forgot it. You're a one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, he was actually home sick yesterday. And he yeah. asked me, my 15 year old is like, would you consider reading to me today? I have such a busy week this week. And I'm like, oh, I have so many things to do. But heck, yeah, <laughs> I'm like,
1: I will stop everything. Today. When your 15 year old son asks you to read to him. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Good call. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I miss this. I really miss. Yeah. I do. Yeah. So, are you reading in your RAR Premium? Yeah. Um, okay. So right now, um,
1: oh my goodness, we just finished. So this isn't what we read for RAR Premium. I just finished this book with my three younger kids. It's called The Dragon and the Stone. It's a it's mm. a new fantasy, new as in I think it came out. It might have been this year. It might have been last year. It's a trilogy. It's a fantasy trilogy that I think could be like a really good fit for kids who loved The Green Ember or The Wing Feather uh- Saga. So uh-huh. that one was a really fun, I got to do lots of fun voices, which I really like to do. Oh, <laughs> nice.
0: Yeah.
1: My husband does read a lot to the kids too. He likes fewer voices, but he likes long series. I am not a fan of a long series because I get really bored. So like after I have finished reading one book, I'm like, and you can read the rest of the series on your own now. But I just <laughs> started him off because he's never read the Chronicles of Narnia. So I was like, you should read those." The kids have all re- listened to them. It doesn't matter. You can read those a million times and love them. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow, beautiful. So, but you're
1: and then myself, beautiful. for my own fun, I just started listening to Mr. Dickens and His Carol hmm. by Samantha Silva. It's like a, um, it's historical fiction, but it's based on the true story of Charles Dickens writing uh, A Christmas Carol. And I think it might be the basis of the movie, uh, The Man Who Invented Christmas, which is my favorite Christmas movie. Um, but it's like a fictionalized account. I don't know. It's so good. It's like one of those... Audiobooks that like it's read in a British accent. <laughs> That's a man crazy. with, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. hello.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so easy for those British folk. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That is hilarious. Yeah. So for moms who are listening to us and saying, I am homeschooling my kids. I can't even fathom writing a book, let alone a publishing company, but, or tapping into all those little elements of creativity, even creating space to be creative. What would you say to them in order to move into the direction of who they really are and creating time for that? Yeah.
1: I mean, I think one of the things that's really helpful to me is to think of when I'm thinking about like what I want to do with one thing is I, I always knew I wanted to have things that I cultivated outside of my children like I want, obviously we're pouring into our children. That's Mm -hmm. the most important thing to me. And also I wanted to especially give a model to my girls, especially, you know, uh, that like, is this the kind of life I want you to live when you're older? Yes. And I also, that means that I need to have like other wide interests and things that I'm doing. But like when I'm thinking about what those are, it's like, what makes me feel the most like myself? Mm -hmm. And that's going to be really different depending on your Enneagram type and your personality and your interests and your history and all the different things that make. So whatever makes me feel like myself, I'll tell you, mm. I was just saying this to a friend the other day. If you ask me, um, to like, what is the, what is like a dream day for you? I can remember a day <laughs> that I, it was a few years ago. I was speaking at a conference in Florida. I got done at three. And so I was like, I'm in Flor- I'm in Orlando. Like there's one thing I want to do when I'm in Orlando because I love roller coasters and I love theme parks. And I know like half of you watching this at least are like, Oh my gosh. No, no. I took myself by myself in an Uber to Disney World, to Animal Kingdom and rode the roller coaster, the big one there that goes backwards, like down the bay. Yeah. Uh, six times in a row. I went there and did the roller coaster and I read, I was by myself. Remember, I didn't have my children with me. So I had my Kindle. So as I'm in line, I'm reading and then going on roller coasters and I'm like, this <laughs> is heaven. <laughs> and I cannot tell you how many friends have looked at me like that sounds like the worst possible day <laughs>
0: And, and I think that's know great. you're a seven, a hundred percent seven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, the theme park that's in Idaho that's not too far away from you, I should totally know. Silverwood. Silverwood. I have not been on any of those roller
1: coasters. They're pretty, they are pretty intense too. Those, some of those roller coasters are like, ooh, yeah, I do them. Of yeah. course, I do them all. But <laughs> of course, you love it. <laughs> I, love I do. But like, one of the things that makes it really, like, I was at that conference with other speakers and friends that I knew. Nobody. When I said, do you want to go to Disney World with me tonight? They were like, (laughs) why on earth would I want to do that when I'm not taking my children? Like, no. And I love that we're all so different. So I think it's sort of like, figure out how you feel the most. I also feel the most like myself when I'm um, watching Dark* on my couch in the evening or when I'm reading in a bath. So like, we're all... We're not like just one. I am a seven. And so I am an extrovert, but I need the bath reading time as much as I need the roller coasters or this social time. And I think just sort of honoring like what makes you feel most like yourself. There's no right or wrong answer. So uh, while starting a publishing company might look really splashy, it does make me feel like myself. And But it's no better or worse than knitting a scarf. Like mm-hmm. I actually can't, I don't, actually don't know how to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. But like, um, I don't know. I just feel like honoring really like how you were made and who you are in the world and not making yourself assign like a value on whether this is as good or not as good as someone else's thing. It's like, there's no, there's no value there. It's just, there's no like, there's no number. You don't assign a metric to it. It's just sort of like, isn't it great that our world is full of people who are all being themselves in a completely different way. Yeah.
0: And we have the opportunity as homeschool moms, we have so much freedom and opportunity to create opportunities for our kids to fully embrace that. And we, it's harder to see for ourselves because we are so occupied, but we do have the opportunity for ourselves. We need to start small and it will continue to grow over the course of our child's, you know, childhood, but they have this opportunity. And if the whole world could have that kind of freedom, and just to have encouragement to fully embrace who they are and keep being fed the things that matter so that they can build into the person they're supposed to be, that to me would be remarkable that everyone did whatever they did.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: Yeah. such kind of a, like a model too,
1: because I think yeah. sometimes we feel guilty about like the things we do that aren't for her children, but it's actually a really, my my oldest daughter has actually thanked me. She's actually taken, and now she's 22. She has different language for it than she did when she was 12. Um, where she has said, like, watching you have something, like a creative goal, and then going for it has made it possible for her to go, like, you know what I want? I actually want a family, and I want this big creative life. And I can, I can can I can see a model for that. And that's really, so it's not, I mean, it is, it's actually worth it, even if you're not doing a model for your children. It's
0: just like, if you need a little extra. <laughs> That's right. something. But it to absolutely be absolutely is as a model. Yeah, I actually just turned 50. And so no new baby for me. But <laughs> my daughter, one of my girls sent me um 50 things I love about you. And that is one thing that she said to me. And I was like, oh, oh, my yeah. God, like 50 really great gift. Baby. Oh, my gosh. 50 things I love about you. Well, she's an Enneagram 7. So <laughs> what a great idea. <laughs> publishing company next. <laughs> oh my gosh. So fun. <laughs> Such a pleasure chatting with you. So much fun. Thank you. Thank you, you so much. And I'm so glad you joined me too. One thing you got to know about me is that I, though I presently sit in Studio C, AKA my closet and I record typically Mondays and release podcast episodes every Tuesday, I like getting Behind the screen and chit chatting with you in real time. That's why I offer the Homeschool Mama Support Group on Patreon. It's still the Zoom screen, but you're gonna learn that what I am here is what I am in my study in the Zoom room, Um, except right now I'm wearing pajamas because that is what we do when we are homeschool moms. And when I'm hanging out with you, I pretty much get into regular clothes ish like yoga pants or sweat Shirts, or you know, casual stuff like that. So, if you'd like to meet me, you're always welcome to join me in the Patreon Homeschool Mama Support Group. This Friday, we'll have a writer's room to encourage whatever journaling practice or writing practice that you're including in your homeschool mom life. We offer book discussions to discuss personal growth and homeschool books that apply to the homeschool mom, and also casual coaching conversation in support group style. We're even offering customized workshops for homeschool moms rabbit trail so that you can discover your curiosities. If you'd like to learn more about the Patreon support group, just head over to patreon.com support group. And if this podcast has been an encouragement for you, would you share it with someone you know would benefit? And would you consider sharing a review on Apple, Spotify, or Podpage? I would be deeply appreciative. All the show notes and resources discussed in this episode will be found at www.capturingthecharmlife.com. Until next week, I want for you and your homeschool kids to turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. You got this, girlfriend.